Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tigers Down Under, the very last one for this season, in fact. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Brad. How are you, Brad? Hey, mate. How are you going? Very good. Very good. Yeah, we had a few technical difficulties there, which was um, apologies, everyone watching along. A bit of a late start for this one, but I uh, got there in the end um, and we'll get straight into it, I reckon. Um, look, we'll... we'll We'll do a small recap of uh, of that last game of the season just before we move into reflecting on the season, looking at potential changes to the personnel over the off season as well. Um, but we'll just do a quick review of that of that last game of the season first of all, since we haven't had an episode between uh, between then and now. Um, one one draw with Forest. I think it was three changes to the side from the previous game. Uh, Longman, Elder, and Slater all coming into the side. Um, basically, you know, rotating those wing backs, and then Eves obviously had the red card, so Slater came in for him as well. Um, you know, as far as end of the season games go, it was a pretty typical end of the season game. Um, I, I think for most of the game, it felt pretty sort of you know players going at seventy percent, Forest resting a few players for the playoffs, us not having a whole lot to play for, and then you know all of a sudden, last five minutes of the game, two minutes of the game, really, uh, it all sort of kicked off. First of all, with the penalty given away by Huddleston, uh, and then sort of moments later with the last kick of the game, Coyle slash KLP getting the uh, the equaliser right at the end. But how did you see it, Brad? Good way to tick off the season? Yeah, I think it was. And, I mean, a point against Forrest is, is pretty welcome. Um, but I think, like you said, it was a pretty dour, low-key, end-of-season type game where... To be honest, it probably could have been 2 nearly the way late in the game. Um, but probably the only thing that was interesting there was just the fact that we didn't look that unfazed with anything. At yep. times, Forrest, you know, they, they ran around us a little bit um, and probably looked more like a, a team on the up than the down. But for us anyway, I just felt like, well, we showed that when we relaxed on the ball, we were pretty much matched it with them. But... I still don't take anything out of it to say, oh, that's how we'll start next season because we know a lot can change by then. Um, but probably the, the thing that I didn't mind out of, out of the whole sort of game, if you like, was the fact that um, we didn't just relax totally. I think we've been guilty at times of taking our foot off the pedal and looking horrible for 15 or 20 minutes. But... Yeah. Um, I think at the moment, you know, you could wrap that game into a nice little 10-minute 10 min- 10 highlights package and that's probably all you need to worry about. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, as you said, I mean, it's hard to take too much out of the game in terms of how we'll start next season, especially because, as you say, I mean, we don't know who who's going to be there. A lot can change in the off-season in terms of personnel. Um, we did get to see Tom Huddleston come on for a farewell appearance. I mean, Putting aside the fact, I don't know if he necessarily knew it was a farewell appearance before the game. Uh, it was good to see him out on the pitch again, and you know, reminding us of of what a player he is. I thought his his range of passing, uh, his his ability to sort of you know break down the tempo and 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 sort of um, you know keep keep us in possession of the ball at times as well. Uh, it, it's a shame that he hasn't been able to stay fit and stay on the pitch more this season because he showed that he's still got that class and that ability. It's just, I think his body's just starting to let him down a bit. Yeah, look, I agree, mate. I don't think there was any coincidence that I think he came on with about 15 minutes to go and and the last 
well, probably more like last five minutes, but the last 10 minutes was more exciting from both teams. And I think it's because they started pinging a few passes around and really happy to try and see what anyone could get out of the game because it was pretty much looking like a nil or nil all pretty dour performance, if you like. Um, but yeah, look, it's a shame in a way because we all love Huddleston. We all know that the guy can play and he can play at this level. But I think we said when we first signed him that, yeah, look, we'd be happy to have him as a squad player. Um, but I think as we found out a few times this year, the squad players really need to be majority fit. Um, yeah. And that was the hardest thing for him. He never got a real crack at it anyway, to be fair, but that was mainly because of injuries and form. Yeah, that's right. Um, soft penalty, uh, fair penalty, how, how did you say it? Oh, look, I think we'd probably have to say a little bit soft, but... There's been 10 times worse this year. Um, I just love how they never seem to fall in our lap. Yeah, when we, when right. we get the chance to look at something similar, we've had dodgy handballs at away games and you're like, well, we can see it on one camera angle, let alone about five and a referee basically being right there. But uh, look, in, in the end, I don't think anyone was disappointed with the draw. So the yeah. pen was probably okay. I mean, you know as well, there was times there where they definitely looked um, a better side than us. It's just that they couldn't really get it on track. Um, and I, I don't know how many shots they had, but they seemed to have a lot more than us. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I don't know what the shot count was. Um, to be honest, you know, certainly a shot that counted for us was the shot right at the end from Louis Coyle. Um, I think it was. I think it was a couple of the apps and a couple of things. Uh, did credit it to Lewis Potter. I, I don't think he gets a touch on it. Um, I think if anything, he's just sort of. Uh, putting the keeper off a bit with where the where the ball's going to bounce, where the ball's going to end up um, heading towards the goal, and I think it just sails right through from Louis Coyle. So, pretty perfect way for him to cap off the season. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think we'll have to give it to him. I don't think KLP got a touch. That's where yeah. we'll play it. KLP got enough goals and touches this year anyway. Um, so yeah, look, good to see him get on the sheet, and probably in a way. Nice little bit of confidence for him to round off the year. Um, and fingers crossed leading into next year, that's another string to the bow to say, well, I can score goals. Yeah, that's right. Look, I mean, I'm just looking on Google. It's still saying Lewis Potter got the goal. Don't really account, I don't really believe that. Um, Forrest had twice as many shots as us, but only one more shot on target than us. So um, that might say something in and of itself. Um, I guess probably a bit more dominant on the ball, but at the end of the day, um, I guess we took our chances a bit more clinically than they did. Yeah, and I think probably, um, I mean, I know the, the, there's uh, not specifically a tackle count for the game, if you like, but we did seem to try and get in there. Or we were first to the 50-50s a lot more than them. Now, that might be because they're looking down the eye of playoffs and trying to preserve themselves a little bit at that point. But um, I thought we actually... We probably gave away just as many fouls as them, but I thought we were actually first to the ball in the 50-50s a lot as well, which is good again for our last game of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Good good, good end to the season. Um, well, look, we'll talk um, personnel movements now. I mean, we sort of already alluded to that Huddleston playing his last game for us. I think Schotter confirmed that after the match with Burnsy. Um, it seems as if that was done before telling Huddleston. I don't quite know what, what's going on there. Maybe it, there was something lost in translation in... In a conversation with him um another tom tom eaves today i think was announced that he's also departing the club that one i mean 
I, I sort of I see I see as a sort of predictable change, but I also think the fact that he put in some pretty impressive performances since Shotter's come into the club, since Ajun's come into the club, even um, I could see a chance that he'd stick around for another year. You know, extend his contract; it'd be reasonably cheap. You know, solid depth as a player. Um, and then we're seeing, I think it's Wilkes is going to get a contract extension. I think Shot is talking about giving him or, or triggering his his one year extension. Um, and I think that I think that's the main sort of uh, ins and outs, so to speak, so far. Um, we haven't heard too much about. I think it's Smallwood, Honeyman, Elder, and a couple of the others, and Wilkes and a couple of the others who have um, that one year extension available on their deal, but haven't yet had it triggered or haven't yet signed new deals. Uh, obviously, Ingram, another one as well. Um, so first of all, I guess, what do you make of, I guess, the news about Huddleston and Eves? We sort of already touched on Huddleston. Um, and then, and then, I guess, of those players out of contract, who would you like to see stick around? Well, look, yeah, I think Eves was a surprise because, again, we get back to trying to, you know, we're not going to win or get promoted out of a championship next season. Um with just the best five or six players we can put on the park. We're going to need 20, 24 really good squad players to get through the long season, which we always talk about. Um, so I was surprised with Eves, yeah, because I, I I know he's much maligned and in the end he is a striker. He shows he can score goals, sometimes very opportunistic, sometimes they fall in his lap, but he's there. Um, and I would imagine that he's only probably on a salary range similar to what most of our average players are. So normally I would expect someone like Eves to be going because of a wage issue. You know, we're not we're not getting our value, if you like. But I would say that seeing his salary must be mid mid squad. Yeah, maybe some goal bonuses. I don't think he hurts the purse strings next year. So that was probably uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, yeah. Well, and I I'll just. It, yeah, Sorry, I was just going to say. I was just going to say. I'll just add because we've just got Logan has uh, has joined us, so I'll add him to the conversation as well. But you, you go on, Brad. You're just talking about um, the player departures. Yeah, so I think the other one you mentioned was Honeyman. Um, again, uh, I don't think he's re-signed, but he's certainly um, a pretty important part of the squad, and I wouldn't imagine he'd be shopping around. Uh, so it's obviously just a matter of. Of, uh, of terms and I think was the other one that you were, you mentioned as well was Wilkes has been well, offered a contract Wilkes I think they're triggering the one year extension um, and then Elder okay. Ingram Logan I don't know if you know all the players or that sort of group of players who are out of contract and we're potentially offering extensions to potentially triggering the one year extensions we've got a press conference coming up tomorrow with the Jun do you reckon maybe there's going to be a big announcement of a whole bunch of players having re-signed deals Logan Look, it's, I found that a really interesting uh, thing and I can't wait for this press conference because if you actually, you know, consider all of the rumours and speculation that came around, uh, you know, when Ajun took over was that there was, you know, going to be mass change and we were looking at, you know, potentially up in front of nine or ten signings. So uh, the reality is that that's yet to happen. Um, but I guess that, you know, depending on assuming that, you know, Shoto is going to be the manager who starts off next season and takes the reins he's done enough to keep his position um i would imagine some of the conversations in the in the backroom staff at the moment would be uh, very interesting as to what kind of level of change we're, we're going to ex- expect to see um a lot of those players that you that you're mentioning are, are definitely players who who probably can cut it in the championship 
but I guess it probably has to line up with our ambition. Like if if we're looking to cut it in the championship, then I think a lot of those deals will, uh, you know, you will see come to fruition and they will add on the extra the year clause and all the rest of it. However, if there's a real championship, uh, you know, run or potential that we, we might be gunning for those playoff spots, then, um, then I'd expect a lot of, um, you know, additions to be coming in and, and some fresh faces. So uh, how that press conference goes tomorrow is, is going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah, Brad, I mean, you sort of said before, we're not going to get um, promoted from the championship just with, you know, five or six good players. We need to have a whole squad of good players. We've got a couple of names have been linked that, I mean, we'd heard Traore's name linked a little while ago, um, and now there's reports that he's signed a deal. Um, although, again, maybe that's something that, you know, this this brilliant press conference tomorrow could have 20 seats around the table because we might be announcing a fair few re-signings and new signings as well. Um, what... what I guess I'll start with you, Brad. I mean, what, what do you make of, um, I guess, a lot of these names that we're being linked to being players playing in Turkey? I mean, we had the conversations in January about all the players coming in being from Turkey. Um, I think one of the players linked is Ghanaian, so it's not as if we're just signing Turkish players. Um, do, do you sort of hope we're still going to be looking in England at, uh, uh, you know, either championship players who, at, you know, for instance, Sheffield United, they're knocked out of the playoffs now. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to get some players that they need, if they need to shed their wages or things like that. Do you think we should be looking more locally as well? Well, look, I think so. I think as well, um, it's great to be linked to these players, but probably for every 10 that get thrown up, we might land one. Um, and it still, to me anyway, gets back to the fact that uh, with, the, with the change of ownership and what you would say is the reasonably prudent approach so far that we've seen the owners take is um, they're obviously going to make some transfer budget available or, or at least a, a wage bill available. But uh, it doesn't surprise me to maybe think that as owners, that wage budget for next year is not going to be extraordinary. It might be good enough to get a, a real marquee type player in or two, um, but I mean, I think there's still enough players around, you know, around us that are looking for a second chance or looking for regular games or even out of favour because of managers. I mean, there's been a lot of turnover of managers in the Championship and League One in the last two years. That mean there's a lot of players that may be looking for some stability. And I hate to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but for once we might actually have a little bit. <laughs> Look, it's a fair point as well. You know, I hadn't even considered that angle about managers moving on. I mean, there's probably some players, even at clubs like Barnsley and Derby, who, I mean, Derby in particular have a, have a certain player that we've been linked to a couple of times, uh, Logan and Curtis Davies, <laughs> who, who may well may well join the club again, who knows. But, I mean, Logan, some of the names we've been linked to, I guess, um, just to, to reiterate a report we saw this morning, um, Fernando at Italia Spore um, spent a couple of seasons in Serie A, um, I think the Hull City Italy account says he seemed to have a reasonably good season at Sampdoria, so seemed reasonably positive. Um, and then I think it was Benjamin Tete at um, Yeni Malatyaspor. Um, he's, I think, 24 years old, has seven goals and 23 for them as well, are probably the two players that we've been linked to. And it sounds like Tete is probably the more realistic of those two. Um, I guess sort of like with, with what Brad was saying, are you are you sort of happy to be linked with these sorts of players? Are you... You know, if, if they're reasonably cheap, or, or would you rather see a few more, I guess, more reliable, trust trustworthy options closer to home, perhaps? I think it's nice to be linked with anyone after the you know, <laughs> recent outrage. 
uh, where we knew that we were going to be operating under a, a shoestring budget um, until there was a sale of the club. So I think, you know, first and foremost, to be be linked with some of these, uh, you know, exotic players, if you will, I think it's probably a, a sign of the times that there is a, a much higher level of ambition, uh, you know, with the new owner uh, in place. And I think that that's something that we, we can certainly be uh, confident about. Uh, whether that's the right direction. I mean, you know, as, as City fans, and particularly in recent times, we've we've seen, uh, you know, some players from overseas come in and, and we've had some, you know, very fond internationals do a job for us. I mean, you, you think about Hernandez and, and some of the, you know, the overseas stock who have really just made City a home. But then at the same time, you know, we think about the the Bruce regime, and it was it was the core of of domestic players, um, and particularly the Irish lads as well, that really um, you know solidified that that kind of working class ethic, and we we kind of built a, somewhat of a culture under him again, where uh, you know players wanted to play for the club, and it was that city like player that we we really enjoy seeing. So look, I think you've seen both models work. You know that. Um, you know, that it probably works with a really good domestic group and then a couple of flair players on top. That seems to be the my, you know, experience of, of what I've enjoyed seeing and, and I think that's probably closer to what we will see. Um, so, you know, just to see a couple of these, I remember when, when the new owner signed, there was all sorts of, you know, Turkish speculation of who was coming in and there was nine or ten Turkish players and Mesut Ozil was on his way and there's all kinds of stuff like that. So, look... I think it can be really interesting to see what happens. And I still remember that, you know, Shona's finding his feet. He's he's very new to the championship in itself. And so how they choose to approach it um, is going to be very interesting. And I think uh, one, Andy Dawson, may have a, a big say in, in particularly, uh, you know, the type of players who we may be after. Very nice segue. I was just about to ask Brad, um, having talked about player movements, we, we've also had a coaching movement um with Andy Dawson appointed to the first team coaching staff up from the under 23s. And if we want to talk about building a core of local products, um, I think having Dawson moving into the ranks of first team coaches really underlines the fact that that's quite at the core of what this club is trying to do and what this club is trying to continue doing. Um, so what, what did you make of the, of the news of, you know, a club legend like Andy Dawson getting that gig? Oh, well, look, we, we all loved him as a player um, and we, probably realised how hard and tough mentally he actually is and how much his heart's in the club, even probably forgetting the Premier League days, just the fact that he was so committed to the club. Everyone's an admirer from afar and obviously his reputation as a as a coach or at least someone who's advancing players is being rewarded by, by what we've seen with the new appointment. So I think you know, getting back to what Logan was saying is exactly right. You, you sort of want to have a nice, somewhat homegrown core to whatever else, you know, madness-wise goes on around that. But there's no doubt that every time we've had either a promotion-chasing season or, or we've got we've actually got promoted, we've had a really good core or spine of good, solid, almost call them sort of everyday players mm-hmm. and uh, having a sprinkle of overseas flair, especially around goal, I think, is is the big area. We've got to score more goals. We've got to get more and more in line with the fact that our young defenders are going to get better um, with experience and the fact that we've still got a reasonably well-aged squad that bringing in a couple of uh, overseas players, especially in the attacking third, is probably where you would expect Arjun to be looking at spending his money anyway. 
Yeah, that's right. Hopefully Ali coming in on a uh, permanent deal will be one of those. Um, yeah, Logan, what did you make of the um, Andy Dawson appointment? I mean, there was a bit of worry um, initially about who would fill that role, or how long it would take to fill the role. Um, so to see him appointed was uh, great news. Oh, absolutely was. And I think, it, you know, it's just another one of the the big ticks for the fans, like as far as what Ajun said that he was going to be looking to do and wants to really, you know, create that, I guess, that family club kind of culture again. It's something that, you know, he impressed on everyone when he signed. And it's, uh, it's certainly uh, evidence of, you know, him sticking to his word. Um, and, and I think that that's also um, kind of Brad alluded to it as well. That's not to, you know, discount Handy Dawson's credentials. Like I know sometimes we can very quickly say, oh, well, you know, he's sitting through and through, so he'll do a good job. But let's not forget the job that he's been doing, you know, at the club already. Um, and it just seems like a natural fit. And I think it's one that, you know, we we have those uh, romantic relationships with the, the, the city players who, who who do a job on the on the field and want to come back and give back to the to the club, like, you know, your Dean Windasses and, and whatnot. So Andy Dawson's certainly someone who, um, you know, it's it's a familiar face that fans certainly would love to see around, and I think uh, you know if if he was to be part of a success story of another promotion, well, um, you know we'd just become to love him even more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well we'll move on then. Um, I had hoped we'd have uh, Dan here to, to run over how our preseason predictions went, but I think he's uh, a little bit delayed. We'll see if he can get on before the end of the episode. But uh, if not. Um, we, we did a bit of a prediction at the start of the season about a few of the uh, few things. And, and the first was the finishing position, which we both had said would be between 12th and 16th. So perhaps both uh, a little optimistic there with um, our final finishing place. But um, the one that I found more interesting was um, for our most important player of the season. So Dan went with either Honeyman or Magenis. His reasoning for Magenis being that we need to be scoring more goals and that if we're going to be doing that, uh, Magenis will need to step up. Um, fair to say that probably didn't work out so well for Magenis, um, getting his move away to Wigan in January. Um, but Honeyman, I mean, his logic being Honeyman's matured a lot from his last season of the championship. I thought Honeyman, uh, had a, had a pretty strong season. I think when he was fit and playing, um, he was a really solid contributor this season. I, I don't think quite to the same extent as last season, but I think, you know, coming with that step up from league one to the championship, that's, that's, uh, most likely to be the case. Um, I went with Greaves, and I'm going to claim a win on that one. I think Greaves was one of our more important players, playing every minute of the campaign and the the number of goals that we conceded as well um, was a, a pretty impressive season for him. So I guess starting with you, Brad, who did you see as our most important player this season? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I think, like you said, I don't think there was a standout from start to finish. I mean, KLP bobbed up with goals, and we without him, we know... What, what things could have looked like. Um, but I'd have to agree with you with Greaves, is that for a young fellow who stood up, rarely got beaten, and he is young, you know, as far as central defender goes, he's got so much time up his sleeve and such a career. And I sort of liken him to the fact that when we looked our best is when we looked defensively like we weren't going to get broken down. And some of that was obviously credit to the midfield as well. But um, look, I... I think probably Greaves as an individual, but I think some of those more central midfielders, the Honeyman-Smallwood combinations, there was games where they both weren't available and we looked terrible and we looked like we'd lost shape and all those sorts of things. So I think I'll give it to Greaves, but I think you could argue probably, which is a good thing, that we probably had four or five genuinely 
better players this year, whereas in previous years there's been a standout. Um, and that's probably the reason why we actually had a bit of a run there. Yeah, I think Honeyman, uh, I think Smallwood's a great shout um, for that role as well. Um, Logan, what did you think? Yeah, I, look, KLP, obviously, you know, just his contribution in goals would have to say is, has made him the, uh, you know, I guess certainly the star of the season. And um, I mean, the, the rumours and speculations of him being traded and the clubs that are kind of coming in for him probably suggest that he was our most crucial player. It's, it's hard to make a case against Greaves. I, I think you're right. He's, he's incredibly impressive and, and, as you said, just reliable. Um, I, I don't know if this is probably not answering the question, but I just wanted to give a kind of honourable mention to Fleming and McLaughlin because I think that they're two players who um, you know, certainly weren't in any level of conversation of being important or having huge roles. And towards the end of the season, they both kind of you know, revealed themselves to be incredibly important players to, uh, to the setup. And, you know, I know that late in the later on in the season, we had that um, horrific loss to, to Bristol, um, you know, which which didn't really reflect just how good we had been defensively um, in the in the later parts of the season. So I think that, you know, all things considered, yes, KLP is the star man. I think that Greg's had a huge season. I think Baxter was great in goals as well. Um, but, you know, there was a couple of sneaky sneaky people who uh, who popped up that I think, you know, are, are certainly worth talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess the other preseason prediction we did was uh, the biggest red flag. So after two months or, or eight games, um, if this had occurred, we'd be uh, pretty worried about our chances for the season. Um, Dan's, well, both of us followed the same theme, but Dan's was if we're not con- scoring consistently. So he wanted to see at least eight to 10 goals in the first eight games um, to give us a chance of staying up. After the first game, you'd think, oh, easy four goals on the opening day against Preston will be will be completely fine in the scoring stocks and we only scored one more goal for the next seven games which is crazy when you consider uh that scoring run on the first day of the season to how that ended up over the next couple of couple of weeks um mine along similar a similar theme was that we needed Wilkes or KLP to have scored which KLP did on the opening day um and that we needed 15 but goals between them for the season. And I think Wilkes got four and KLP got debatably got 11, if we're going to count that last goal of the season. Um, so, so just squeaked into the 15 goals. But, I mean, looking back on it, um, I, Logan, I'll start with you, but looking back on it, that that start to the season, I mean, the, the, from the highs of that opening day to the real concerns around where, where our goals were going to come from and, and what was actually going to happen with the team over those first couple of months was um, a bit of a worry. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as you mentioned, the, the Preston game gave us a real false sense of security. And, and, and let's not remember how, how serious of a threat relegation was for a long part of this season. So, I mean, I guess if you're going back to the previous question with who the most important player was and, you know, KLP had the, the largest goal return, um, that probably answers the question in itself, um, realising how crucial his contributions were. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it was really fascinating. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. But when you're able to, to dissect the season, um, you know, it probably speaks to the importance of, of how well we really did rally after those first kind of 10 games, after the, the win on the opening day, and then a horrible patch that, you know, had things looking pretty grim around Christmas. But, um, you know, as, as we sit here now comfortably celebrating the, the fact that we'll still be playing championship football, um, you know, there are a lot of really positive takeaways from this season and, I guess when you uh, encompass the fact that it also came with an ownership change, it's it's been pretty successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brad, how how are you feeling sitting there after the first 
two months of the season just about i think we'd scored five or six goals um uh, you know we've we got a draw against bournemouth i think and somebody else had been doing reasonably well as well so you know it wasn't as if we weren't picking up a few points here and there but just weren't able to get any wins on the board no and i think it was probably like you said it wasn't like it was disastrous but you just had this feeling right here we go again we're going to look like we've got all this promise and we'll ground out results against or, or, or even get three points against teams we shouldn't but then those around us or you know a tuesday night at home we drop points to someone that we shouldn't and you just start thinking this is going to go down to the last month and give us all gray hair but i think probably the only thing like like logan mentioned before as well that at least klp was around and fit and so we knew that if we even if we were boring we should be able to score the odd goal that kept us up the problem there was defensively we were leaking and not looking settled or or fantastic and and it, it may be the other change with goalkeeper and maybe a few things during the year that really made a difference but at this point we're all probably thinking it was time for the alums to definitely go because we we're at our lowest again um and uh anything that could show some sort of promise we we're hanging on to a bit yeah that's right um look i guess before we do move on to those end of season awards i mean we're sort of already doing a couple of them here um we've alluded to it a few times and you just mentioned there brad um logan i'll start with you i guess reflecting on that ownership change coming as it did halfway through the season i look back on the first episode last of this season um i think you and i were talking about the potential for the ownership change there was the rumors about ajun we were sort of sitting here saying oh yeah you know here we go again it's another rumor it's going to linger around for a couple of weeks or a month or two and then it's going to fade away just like all of the others have um as it got closer to happening and as it became more and more concrete and that excitement sort of grew and the speculation grew about what it would mean for the club um as we sit here now on the other side of it new owners able to be excited and you know optimistic about next season we've sort of already talked about it with the potential for signings but but just what, what does it mean to you to have have that sort of breath of fresh air in the club and, and what it can mean for the club going forward? I think it's just the it's the joy of being able to be optimistic about it again. I think that, uh, you know, it was such a, a toxic kind of ownership fans relationship for so long that even when like even when the times were good and we'd have like big wins, you never really felt like it was going somewhere like it always had a ceiling. So you'd kind of have a couple of wins and it was, uh, you know, things were looking optimistic. But then you realise that, oh, actually, no, you'd have a couple of losses or there'd be some level of injury and you'd go, oh, well, you know, this is a problem. And, you know, it's just the the also the unsettled nature of Grant McCann. Like, I mean, there was just so much uncertainty. And I think that that's the the most exciting part for me about a join coming in is now we're able to sit there and go, okay, we kind of get a fresh slate and, we've been told you know some of the things that that he values as a as an owner and we're starting to see the fruits of that so i'm not expecting um you know uh, an amazing season next year where there's a huge level of investment you know we we get promoted although there's a possibility for it and you know it would be nice uh, i still think that you know the the fans are probably happy now to have a couple of seasons where you know, I wouldn't say mediocrity, but where we've got just a steady build, I think that that would be comfortable. Whereas I think under the Alums, that was probably the best it was going to get. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, as we try to break it down, uh, the big takeaway is there's a reason to be optimistic. Yeah, Brad, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
Um, there's probably no coincidence that once we actually got settled there, I know we had a bit of a rocky, let's say, second, third month with the new manager in charge, but we were picking up points, we were scoring goals. Whether the system was working or not didn't really matter. The selections matched what most of us expected. Um, although, you know, Eve's getting a game here or there when we didn't was a bit of a surprise. But it's still, I thought he, uh, from afar anyway, the, the manager did manage the players pretty well. And I think that's something we're going to go into our first season for a while where we've got some promise of money, not much, but some. Uh, a manager that's reasonably settled and not to mention a squad that's more than 12 players. So all these things mean we're actually going to get a pre-season in that could really be helpful. Um, and it sounds like off the field, the resources the club have got at their disposal are as good as they've probably ever been in the championship. Um, yeah, well, we've got an airline now. That's right, apparently so. And we've got, we've got ambitions, you know, we've got... A, a, an owner that hasn't just come in and said, right, here's 10 million bucks to loan some player for the rest of the season just to keep the fans happy. There's been a bit of a real sort of a methodical approach to who we've signed. And I think that, you know, the owner wants us to be in the Premier League. He's made it pretty clear. But I think he knows that it might not just happen in one year if you splash cash. It's going to take yeah. a few years of building yourself up um, and a bit of luck. So... I'm, I'm quite optimistic about next year. I think we showed against top teams that we aren't that far away, and especially like I keep banging on about, it's a 40-game season thereabouts. And so if you can really grind out some of those results, you know, 10, 12 more points in this division pushes you a long way up the table. Yeah, I think when you look at our goals conceded, it's top six quality already or thereabouts, and you just think if yeah. we add a bit of attacking talent, um, where that might take us. Um, all right, let's move on to those end of season awards then. So we do have a few categories that we're going to run through. Um, hopefully not putting you two on the spot too much to think of, um, some of these, um, but we'll start with favorite goal of the season. And, and maybe if, if you guys haven't thought of one, I'll, I'll go first to give you a bit of time to think, but I think for me, and I, I'm sort of maybe cheating a little bit going outside the league games. Um, but maybe for me, the most exciting goal of my favorite goal uh, was Ryan Longman's equaliser in the FA Cup against Everton uh, to take us to extra time. I thought, you know, Tyler Smith scoring the first goal after 20 seconds or a minute or whatever it was, was pretty exciting as well. But to go up against Premier League opposition, to fall behind in the game, and then the manner in which he scored that goal to, to send us to extra time, I thought was fantastic. Uh, very typical Ryan Longman goal. He did score a few of these over the course of the season, um, but that was probably my favourite. Um, Brad, did you have one? Um, look, I, mine wasn't actually, let's say, a spectacular goal of sorts, but um, I had to give it to KLP because he had a few good ones to choose from. Um, and while I love the fact that we've got him in our squad, um, he's not my favourite player, he's close to, but I thought that the goal against Middlesbrough, although the goalkeeper made it look a lot better than it was from the edge of the box, that goal and those points were a mm. big, that's a real six-point game, if you like. And yeah. it, it meant at the time that I actually thought we could stay up. Whereas yeah. I think leading up to that game, um, we were always dragged down into the mud quite a bit at times. And I think that was the first time I went, well, previous to his goal, I think Middlesbrough had one goal ruled offside, hit the post, 
keeper made a great save. So we should have been one or two nil down. And all of a sudden, KLP backs himself, shoots. Their keeper makes a bit of a mare of it. And we're one nil up and get the points. And that's when I probably felt like it turned our situation around a bit. So it's more for importance than, than quality. Um, because I think probably his, his rocket that he scored against Peterborough was probably oh, yeah. my favourite. But um, I'm going to give it to the Middlesbrough one. Good shout. Uh, how about you, Logan? This is a really easy one for me. Um, and it's the it's actually another Longman goal, but it was the smash and grab goal against Bournemouth, which I oh, thought yeah. was just, um, You know, when you're looking at back now, I mean, Bournemouth, uh, a team that got automatically promoted, uh, you know, travelling down there. And it was just one of those games where I remember the first, I believe it was the first 20 minutes, we were just getting peppered. I think they might have hit the post like four or five times. It was ridiculous. Um, and then we kind of just got a foothold in the game, didn't really offer too much. And then um, when Longman scored uh, and, you know, put us on the in a commanding position for three points, you just thought, how has this actually happened? And um, you could kind of see from the celebration that everyone was in shock. Um, we, we celebrated accordingly, but I thought that was just a, one of those real gutsy heart goals and it kind of summed up the, the whole performance. So that one for me was critical. Was that was that the Cairns last game or his second last game? Uh, it was it was around the time. It would have been around the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because um, I was going to say, because our next category is our favourite game um, of the season. So I, I guess sort of a bit related to the goal, um, but you know, sort of your overall favourite game of the season. And for this one, um, the reason I asked that question is. Um, I've gone with the first game under Ajun's reign against Blackburn where we won 2-0, which I feel like maybe this was McCann's last game, if not that Bournemouth game. Um, this this game, it was just, you know, it, the script is written perfectly. I mean, Ajun gets unveiled on the pitch. Everyone's pumped up. It's, you know, the night, you know, uh, the game under, under lights, um, sky cameras as well, I think. Um, everyone excited, pumped up. I think was it was it Honeyman got the first goal with an Eves assist and then Eves got the second goal to seal the game um, in, in that one. And it was just, you know, I think Blackburn were third or second in the table at the time. So they were really flying and, and we sort of ground them to a halt and uh, took the three points quite convincingly. And this was, of course, the rearranged fixture after the Boxing Day shambles of a postponement, as one Blackburn player put it. So uh, a good result in that one. Uh, Logan, did you have a favourite game to go with? Yeah, I still think that, um, you know, the opening day, the, the 4-1 victory yeah. against Preston, I, I know that sometimes it probably doesn't feel like it hit the same magnitude as other games with the survival because it was so early in the season. But to, to score four goals on the opening day and, you know, see everyone celebrating like that, it just it had us in such a mood of, you know, what, what this season could be. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was a pretty big game to watch. Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism after that game, which was, uh, you know, and, and I think I posted the thing today that I think that game put us first in the table for seven days. So we're one of only four teams to, to occupy first place. So pretty, pretty decent game. Um, Brad, did you have a favourite? Look, I, I agree with you. The Blackburn one had all the, the PR and pizzazz about it, but um, I'm going to change it because uh, it was only when when um, Logan mentioned in the Bournemouth, Bournemouth goal of all the games this year that I would have loved to have attended, it would have been an away day at Bournemouth when no one gave us any chance. We pinched points. And, I mean, you can imagine, you'd be going mental in that crowd. You'd be singing all the way home. So I think I'll give it to the away day at Bournemouth, just more for the experience than the game itself. Oh, yeah, I think when that goal went in, the limbs would have been uh, pretty ridiculous. So <laughs> it certainly would have been great to be part of. Um 
Our next category is most improved player. Now, this one's a little bit tough to think of um, uh, in some circumstances, I guess, because it's hard to compare, I guess, the playing squad last season in League One to this season. But but this one was the sort of the player that you, I guess, you thought uh, improved the most over the course of the season or sort of took the, took the league by storm. Um, I've gone with Brandon Fleming, who, you know, had, had a pretty reasonable role over the last couple of seasons. I think he played a little bit in that championship season we went down and, and certainly a bit more last season. Um, but I thought his performances this season, I mean, I, I sort of compared him um, a little bit early on to a young Andy Robertson. And I think he's certainly the most, um, uh, I guess, attacking left back that we've had since Andy Robertson. I think the way that he can take players on, get past two or three opposition players, whip a ball into the box. Um, we saw him linking up a few times really well with Eves uh, from that left-hand side linking up really well with KLP as well and Greaves as, as sort of the Hullborn trio. Um, and I think he's he's taken himself from being one of those young players who's around the squad getting the odd minute to being a you know a legitimate first 11 or, or, you know, sort of top 15 player at the club now. And I think that's a huge improvement from him. Uh, Brad, did you have a most improved player? Yeah, look, I think it's um, no surprise because we've already talked a minute, but I just think Greaves... Um, Stepping up from, we, we know he played a lot of games last year and he was very good last year too, don't get me wrong, but we all know the difference between League One and Championship is a decent jump. Some say the biggest jump of all the divisions. Um, and, I mean, he barely missed a minute. He was that good um, in multiple changes of formations, with changes of managers, with uh, days where he would have had the toughest day at the office because we were defensively not going well, whereas last year was a bit different. It's easy to be a central defender when you had the squad we had last year. And um, like you pointed to, the fact that we had one of, you know, a pretty miserly defence for a first year back in the championship, I think is a is pretty big attribute for him. And the guy's only 21 or something. I mean, he's yeah phenomenal. I think he played literally, he, re, he reminded me a lot of Michael Dawson. Basically, just stood up every game he could all year. I think he played all by one game or all by two. No, games. I think I think he played. He played every minute. Him right. and KLP, I think, played every minute of the campaign, which is ridiculous to have two players yeah. at the club do that. Yeah, and I think we all know KLP's good, and, and I agree with you. I thought Fleming, Fleming's growth was massive, um, but I think Greaves, you're almost looking at a Premier League defender already, and yet he's just stepped up from League One last year and. Yeah, so he's he's my most improved, if you like. Yeah, great shout. Um, and Logan? Yeah, look, I, I think both of you guys have, have really targeted on, on two awesome ones. But I, I still I don't want to let this question pass me by. I think that it's really hard for us to quantify just how much KLP has improved this season. I think that, you know, it's very easy to say that, you know, he's our player of the season and he was the most critical with his goal scored. But... Let's remember that last year he's still a very young player himself, but to play League One, to get the England call up as well, um, and to have, have had the goal return and assist that, that he did um, in championship football, I just think he's, you know, he's immense. And it's no reason that, um, you know, it's no coincidence, sorry, that he's been linked to, you know, to very decent Premier League clubs already. Um, and I think it's because you, you see that every single time we get into the final third, uh, there's you know there's one player that looks genuinely threatening for us all the time, and it's it's always him. He just produces things out of nothing, um, and it's interesting, you know, as you talked about whether he's got ten or eleven goals. 
if you go back and look at some of the chances that that he's had and the, the times he's hit the posts, um, you know, there's some genuinely world class goals that you know are only a whisker away from being added to that yeah. that goal tally. And I think that that's only going to come as as he gets older. So uh, for me, he he was you know the most improved by some distance. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and that brings us on to our main award and. Uh, as you say there, I mean, he's the club player of the season. He's the players player of the season. He's the supporters player of the season. And of course, KLP is also our player of the season, um, amassing a massive total of votes over the course of the season. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think Honeyman won our award last season in front of second by maybe eight, 10 votes. Um, I think it was, it was a reasonably close run thing. The reason we didn't even give votes for the Nottingham Forest game is because Lewis Potter was just so far in front. I had the graphic already done up. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, 40, 47 votes in front of uh, Honeyman. Um, Honeyman and Ingram rounding out the top three. Um, pretty close for both of them. Ingram, you know, getting a lot of votes early on for his performances in those, you know, sort of nil-nil or one-nil losses where he kept the score down quite considerably. Um, and then McLaughlin rounding out the top four. I think McLaughlin... Um, just quickly before we wrap things up, I think McLaughlin is another in that conversation for most improved in the sense that he just wasn't in the side all that much. And then he's sort of come into the team and uh, and really made that spot his own at the back uh, alongside Graves. So um, having a really great season as well. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think that sort of rounds things up for the season. Were there any kind of closing thoughts or over over um, overarching thoughts of the season that we've just experienced, Logan? Oh, look, I think that, again, if we talk about what this season will be, be remembered for, it's the ownership change. And I think that we'll be able to draw a really clear line in the sand that although we've stayed up and, you know, we're, we're still guaranteed championship football next season, I think that is by far and away the biggest thing that, that has happened in uh, in this 21-2022 season. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, And Brad, any closing thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I agree with Logan that the, the ownership's, you know, massive. It happens... Hopefully not too many more times in our lifetime. But um, the thing that I'm probably wrapped with considering where we were at, and this probably goes a lot to this last few months, we ended up beating the drop. I know with dubious circumstances, but we were like 15 points off the drop. Now, any of us at the start of the year, if we basically were told, look, nine points above or six points above the drop, yep, you take that. But 15 points above the drop and some really good showings against good teams shows us that the, the brickwork's there. It's ready to go. We've just mm-hmm. got to be able to um, hang on to KLP and uh, keep keep bolstering this squad. But here's one for you, Alex. Although you do yep. a massive job during the year, mate, and well done. If KLP was to go now, I have touched wood, rub Buddha's belly, done everything on this. What is the price tag going to be? Oh, I, I would think it would have to be around... 18 to 20 million. I can't see us selling him for much less than that. Um, I know Ajun sort of said in January he wouldn't sell him for less than 20. And I think it's a matter now of if KLP wants to go, it's hard to keep a player that doesn't want to be here on the books. Um, and I think we try and get top dollar for him. It seems like there's a lot of interest, a lot of rival bids for him. So you'd think that that would drive the price up as well. But yeah, you'd be looking. I mean, it's, it's sort of remarkable to say, even as I say it, because you're looking at probably close to 20 million, if not a bit more. And and that's almost what Bowen went for. And you look what Bowen's doing already this season, sort of 18 months after leaving us. Um, I guess that's sort of the nature of inflated prices. But um, how, how about you? What, what do you see him going for? 
Oh, look, I th you would hope that you'd squeeze every penny, like you said, and maybe get closer to 25, but then you're in real rare air up there. Um, but like with Bowen, most of us probably thought he wasn't technically worth that sort of price tag. He's very good, and we know what he can do, but you're going up quite a standard, and, and of course, he's just shown, shown through. So, no, it was more just interesting to see what you guys sort of would have as a price tag for him. Yeah, Logan, what, what do you think about 20 million? Yeah, look, I can't I can't see anyone coming in and offering more than that, but at the same time, you the fact that you know he he would have to be 20 million or worth 20 million pounds to us. And I think that's kind of the value that you have to place on it because for a Premier League club to to come in and play that uh, pay that, you see that kind of quite regularly. But I think it's one of those interesting things for a from a City fan now as we see these signings. Um and you never want to be that club that, you know, thinks their players are just, you know, over the top better than the rest, although that's, you know, reality of most football fans. But if we look at the, you know, the heights that Andy Robertson and Harry Maguire and Jared Bowen, as, you know, as Brad said, have reached, I think it really makes you reevaluate the price tag on someone like Kane Lewis Potter when he's trending in exactly the same direction. So, like... I mean, if you're going to sell him for 20, you kind of want to make sure that there's all those bonus add-ons too that yeah. ends up waiting to like 30 down the track if he ends up being that type of player. And I think that that's, that's what I'd like to see in an ideal world. Do you mean the Fair Harry Maguire four years down the track transfer percentage back to us job? That's what we're after. Right. That's what we're after, and probably with Bowen as well. I mean, I'm sort of hoping if a Man City or a Liverpool come in for Bowen and spend 80 million on him, it'll be a nice sell-on clause for us as well on that Absolutely. one. And a um, good one just on that, on that 20 mil, yeah. Alex. Is I mean, what would our wage budget be for a year? Oh, 15. Yeah, yeah. If that, so, I mean, yeah, you could almost go out in that free transfer market and get some pretty decent quality prem-based type players to build a pretty attacking front three or four with that sort of wage budget. I'm not saying it's a long-term solution, but that's where that problem lies with getting so much money in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And then, hey, just quickly before we go, I get the super early predictions from each of you. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific league position, but what, what's, what sort of bracket are you seeing us finishing in next season? Is it going to be top half? Is it top six, top two, bottom half? Um, Logan, where, where do you sense we'll be finishing up? Look, I think that Brad's kind of touched on it already. I think that he's shown us that there's a, a lot of things to be positive about with the core that we have. And I think that if, you know, and I know that depending on tomorrow's uh, press announcement, yeah. we find out what's happening with the with the playing group. I think playoffs is, is the goal next season. I think it's a realistic goal. I don't think it's one that, you know, we're kind of everyone says, oh, I'd love to be in the playoffs. I think it's a genuine target. And I think anything short of that would be, uh, you know, somewhat disappointing. Um, uh, hey, whether, look at, look at, look at Huddersfield, Huddersfield season. They were pretty much where we were last season. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I think we, should, we target top six. Brad? Yeah, I, I'm hoping Logan's right. I think we'll sneak into the top 10. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that KLP will go. That's why I was asking. I, I don't mm. want him to, of course. But what concerns me is we didn't score enough goals this year. And if KLP does go, then we're really relying on two to three to, to cover that, which is mm. hard. Um, but I definitely think top 10. Yeah, I think we might bounce around a bit. But 10, 9, 8, I think we'll just miss out on playoffs, but we're not genuinely there. Yeah, I, I think I'm right. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I, I think I'm sort of somewhere in between you both. I think come this time next season, we'll probably miss the playoffs, but we'll be disappointed to have missed the playoffs. I think we'll be in and in that conversation for most of the season, and I, well, at least I hope we are. And I want to be sitting. I don't want to be sitting here disappointed at missing the playoffs. I want to be sitting here having achieved automatic promotion. But if you know what I mean, if I'm sitting here next season disappointed at missing the playoffs then really I'd consider that a pretty successful season that if we've actually had that challenge, we've had that realistic chance of making the playoffs at the very least, you know, so if that's sort of eighth, ninth in the table, um, I'd be pretty happy to take that. So look, hopefully it's a really exciting season ahead. Um, we're sort of, you know, just finishing off this season. We're already looking ahead to next season. It's um, a lot to look forward to, especially with that press conference tomorrow. We don't know what could be discussed there, but look, thanks both of you. I, Brad, Logan, thanks so much for the season that we've had. Um, thanks for coming on for this episode, recapping the season that we've had and uh, looking forward to sharing it all again with you next season. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Thanks for all of the uh, the work that you've done to get the podcast uh, to the, the state that it's in at the moment. It's always a good time to talk city, particularly when uh, you know there's there's positive things on the horizon. Absolutely. And of course, thanks everyone for listening in over the course of the season. As always, we really appreciate all the support that we get from you guys. Um, if you haven't already, give the video a like, hit the subscribe button um, and share the video around as well. Let us know your thoughts on your favorite moments and memories from this season past. Um, and then until next season, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're out.